You're listening to Grow Yourself Up, a weekly mental health podcast hosted by Kath Cunahan. I'm a psychotherapist, writer, and speaker working in private practice in London. I specialize in the impact of our own childhood on our parenting and how we can heal and integrate our childhood trauma, wounding, and stress so that we can inhabit our full adult selves. Join us each week as we talk about all things growing ourselves up, how we can tend to ourselves in our parenting, generational healing, and overcoming the impacts of childhood trauma. Together, we will become more self-compassionate, connected, authentic, resilient, and heart-centered, so we can live our own full and beautiful lives. As a listener of this podcast, you're welcome to come over and join the Facebook group. So search on Facebook for Grow Yourself Up. It's a private Facebook group of all the listeners. And did you know there are journal prompts that go along with every episode? So sign up for the journal prompts on kathcunahan.com or go to my Instagram, kathcunahan, and sign up at the link in the bio there. And you will get my newsletter, Nurture, Heal, Grow, which contains all the journal prompts. Looking forward to seeing you in the Facebook group. The podcast is produced each week by the wonderful Audio Cafe. Thanks for being here. Hi, everyone. This is episode one of Grow Yourself Up, the podcast. Welcome. So pleased you're listening. Um, today, we're going to start off by talking about needs. And the reason that coming into contact with our needs and learning more about them and um, being able to actually meet them is so important because it's crucial for us to come into our own power, to really have a sense of our own agency, to know what we're capable of. And we we come into a sense of our own power by meeting our needs by helping ourselves get whatever we want, whatever it is that we need in the world to thrive. This is going to be a layered podcast. So I've grouped it thematically, um, according to my worldview, um, around how we heal, what we need to do, the things we can look at, the things that are helpful. And every so often there'll be um, kind of additions into the themes and there'll also be a lot of psychoeducation. So I'm so delighted you're here with me and um, let's get started. Why am I addressing needs first? So healing and recovery are layered and being able to tend to ourselves is fundamental to change and becoming more aware of our own power and agency in our lives. But many of us have a very um, disconnected, dissociated or ambivalent relationship with our own needs. You've probably all heard about Maslow's hierarchy of needs and um broadly our physical, emotional, and spiritual needs and our needs for self-actualization. And I'll talk a bit more about that. But we're often told to meet your own needs. So those words are thrown around a lot. And it sounds like that would be really simple. However, it's really actually incredibly complex for many of us. And we're going to go into why that is, um, what happens. And it's all about how um, we were tended to early on in our lives. And the next couple of episodes on needs will address various different things on needs. And after each podcast, I'm going to be sending out um, journal questions to those on my um, mailing list. So if you'd like to deepen into your own inquiry around the subject, please go and sign up um, to my mailing list. The website is psychotherapymum.com. So how do we um, initially come into contact or awareness? So contact with an awareness of our needs. 
The simple answer is through the way we are treated by our parents in our early years. How attuned are they? How attuned are they to themselves? Do they meet their own needs? Do they model that their needs are important? Or perhaps they've martyred themselves or complain that they are not getting their needs met. That all impacts us. So let's think about when we're a baby. So initially, we have no conceptualization of hunger or thirst. We just know that when we are either hungry or thirsty, we have a sensation of discomfort, probably in our bellies, and um, maybe we, we sense that we're thirsty. And the only tool that we have to ask for that is to cry or to use other kind of vocalizations to get the attention of our mum or our caregiver. And so depending on how attuned that person is to us, we will develop a relationship over time. So um, our nervous system and our body wisdom is is being built all the time. And so each time we're hungry, we're thirsty, and we call, how are we responded to? What happened? Um, did our caregiver meet us with a smile, with a soft voice? Um, did, did they pick us up gently? Were we soothed? Did we have that discomfort taken away? Many, many, many experiences of that will have built up a basis for how we respond to our own needs. So why am I mentioning this? Why am I starting from so early on in life? You may be thinking, will I, will I even remember that? Or you may be thinking, will my child remember that? And yes, we have learned much about, um, the brain and the nervous system in the last kind of 30 years. And all of these early experiences are encoded on a bodily level. They are made into implicit memories. So we, we remember on a bodily level, we don't have a narrative. We won't have a, have a story to go along with it because we didn't have, um, the left, you know, the left part of our brain wasn't fully formed at that point when we were, um, when we were a small baby. We learn all about the world initially through our right brain. It's very experiential. All the sights, sounds, how we're touched, um, what noises we hear. Do we f- receive gentle touch? Do we f- receive, um, kind of warm connection? Do we learn that we're safe? So from early on, we will learn, is it safe to have a need? How are our hunger and our thirst responded to? And that'll start to build up our experience around, is it okay to have my needs? Will they be met? Am I safe in the world with them? And we become aware on this embodied level really early on about how our needs were met. And then this obviously continues throughout childhood, but the learning starts early. That's the point I'm trying to make. Something that's really important to hold alongside this is the this concept of attunement. So attunement is how well you were responded to as a, as a baby and a child, but it's very much dependent on what the baby is signaling that they need. So attunement is about responding when the baby is kind of calling or looking for eye contact or wanting to play. It's also about not trying to make the baby um, respond when they are trying to break contact. So you'll notice with small babies, they sometimes will look away and that's because they need a break from the contact. So they will um, break contact. But sometimes you see uh, caregivers or mums like trying to push their face back or to move back into their line of vision. That's actually misattunement because 
we want to be guided by the baby in terms of what they are seeking and their eyes um, are how they indicate that often. And we also cannot attune perfectly. So in the literature, um, the child development literature, there's a famous kind of piece of research by someone called Ed Tronic, which is quoted a lot, which says that um, for good enough attunement, um, generally parents are attuned about 30, but like a third of the time, so 33%. Um, percent. And that means that the rest of the time, the other kind of 67%, um, we're actually tending to ruptures in the attunement. So we're coming back into contact with the baby. We are, um, if we, if we didn't feed them quick enough or if they, um, you know, if they are crying because we have to wait to make a bottle or something, we will be using our gently soothing words and saying, okay, sweetie, I'm coming now. Um, and giving our voice as a comfort to come back into connection with them when there's been a, a break in the attunement. So please use that to comfort yourself if you are also a parent who's listening to this, because we cannot be um, 100% perfectly attuned. And really, we just need to be attuned about a third of the time, because the rest of the time we're working um, to come back into attunement. Now, this is really complex because some of us are listening to this as people who didn't get our needs met and also as people who have children and we are trying to meet their needs. So I want to stress straight away up front that none of this can be done perfectly. We're looking for always, always looking for good enough. And I think that um, I personally ponder a lot in my own practice um, how come so many of us are disconnected from our needs and I think that it has a lot to do with um, historical parenting practices. So if we think about um, historical parenting practices, much of the advice that's been given out probably since um, the 1950s and 1960s up until, I mean, some, some of this advice is still given out often, um, is around feeding routines and sleeping routines. And it's about imposing something on the baby. So the thing is, a lot of um, these, these, these routines are actually based much more on minimizing the impact of the baby on those around them than actually tending to what the baby may need. And so um, many of our parents did the best they could and did what they thought they were meant to be doing because this is what the experts at the time said, but really they may not have been tending to us optimally. And that can be a really painful thing to realize. So I want to give a bit of context here because we're all going to have different um, backgrounds and family experiences. But the reasons, so the reasons that our parents may not be um, emotionally available and may not be able to have optimally tended to our needs are many and varied. Some parents are actively abusive. Some are parenting us from their child state and are, and are unable to take responsibility for themselves. Some are addicts or alcoholics. Some are completely shut down. Some have so much of their own anxiety that um, tending to us um, would have stimulated more anxiety and we would have uh, picked up on that. So there's a huge variation. Um, some of you may be in relationship with your parents. Some of you may have needed to cut contact or wanted to break contact. We all have a different story about what happened to us, and I want you to hold your own context in mind. The commonality is that when we've grown up in a dysfunctional family, we generally do not know how to meet our needs. So we're trying to move forward from that place. 
So if we reflect on the fact that um, historical p- parenting practices promote uh, disconnection and lack of safety in some cases, we can be really, um, we can extend a lot of self-compassion and be um, really uh, understanding towards ourselves about why we may really struggle to meet our needs. I think there's also something really important here, which is around um, implicit memory. So we know from the work of Dan Siegel that we continuously make implicit memories. They don't require conscious attention to be um, encoded. So from when we're born, we're making these implicit memories. And when we're a young baby, everything is right brain to right brain communication. So we encode about 11 million bits of sensory information per second. So we're absorbing all of that information via our nervous system and making sense of it. We're learning all the time to make sense of it because our left brain still really needs to be developed at that point. And we do that in relationship with our parents. But the way in which we initially learn is all um, via the sensations of our body and um, via our right brain. I'm going to read you something from Alan Shaw, who says that the essential task of the first year of human life is the creation of a secure attachment bond of emotional communication between the infant and the primary caregiver and the subsequent expanded capacity for affect regulation. During spontaneous right-brain-to-right-brain visual-facial auditory prosodic and tactile proprioceptive emotionally charged attachment communications, the sensitive, psychobiologically attuned caregiver regulates, at an implicit level, the infant's states of arousal. So that's really important to hold in mind because the way in which we were responded to is encoded in our embodied right brain. And that will influence how we respond to ourselves now. So, you know, what I said about the gentle voice, um, smiling, an authentic smile, where the, um, the lines under your eyes also wrinkle if they use their body to calm us, you know, put us on their heart. And many of us had parents who were not well regulated themselves. So they couldn't respond to us in a way that would help us regulate well. And Babies and children prioritize connection with their caregiver above all else. So we intuit from really when we're tiny, how we need to be so that our caregiver will stay on side with us because we know we need them to survive, which is how adaptations develop really early on, essentially. And I'm obviously simplifying things a lot. So please hold all of this really gently. And some of this information can be useful as you engage in discussions with yourself about your own needs because you don't need to shame yourself. This is not your fault. The ways in which you have responded to yourself make sense in the context of your history. They would have kept you safe at some point. So please really hold that in mind. And as adults, it is also our responsibility to now attend to our needs. So what can we do in the present moment to really take responsibility for ourselves, to own what happened, to grieve it? to notice that pain and not to live the rest of our lives perpetuating the same thing, i.e. not meeting our own needs. So I think that needs and and our own relationship to our needs is really, really fundamental to our own um, recovery. And I really want to break down shame around this. You may be listening and thinking, I have no idea what my needs are. You may be listening and feeling really angry with with your parents. You may be listening and feeling um, distressed about some of the ways that you've tended to your children. I feel all of those. 
And I think that we have to hold all of these uh, multiple realities as we go through this journey with kindness and self-compassion because we are where we are um, and there is so much we can do to improve things for ourselves. There is so much um, that we can do from day to day, from moment to moment to tune more into ourselves. And as we learn to be better attuned to ourselves, we can um, spread that throughout our world. We can be more attuned to our partners, more attuned to our children, more attuned to our friends. Okay. So in your history, there will always be good reasons for the way that you are. You may have been ignored as a child. You may have been actively shamed or belittled for having needs. Parents may simply have been unaware because they were also unaware of their own needs. And these are the patterns that then get passed down. So choosing to become aware of your own needs, to notice what makes you function really well, to notice what helps you to cultivate joy, to notice when you feel really good at the end of the day, to notice all of those things. Those are so important for you because moment to moment you are modeling that for your child then that that I'm important, my needs are important, and your child will then internalize that. There is so much that our children learn from modeling. Okay, so I often talk about dysfunctional families. And in a dysfunctional family, I consider the core wounding or issue to be that the needs of the children are not met. Instead of the care going down the generation, so the parents tending to the children, the children land up um, caring for the parents. Now, um, there's a lot of different terminology that's floating around to describe that. Um, that could be, um, you could be described as a parentified child. I would describe that as the heart of codependency, where um, the child is not precious and free and having all their needs met. And there are different kind of consequences that happen. So if your needs were ignored um, and simply just you didn't kind of get what you needed, you will have developed, it's likely, a very uh, disconnected relationship to your needs. So even in terms of uh, meeting your physical needs, so your need to go to the bathroom, your need to eat regularly, your need to put on um, a top when you're cold, you may be so disconnected and cut off from your body that those things don't easily happen or you delay and delay and delay because of the physical disconnection from your body. Because as a child, if we um, are constantly not having our needs met, over time, we cut off from the physical sensations around that because it's too painful um, for our system to constantly be aware of that. So in this case, when we, um, when ignoring our needs has been normalized, we have to come back into relationship with our needs. And I'm going to talk about that um, more in the second episode. So know that if that's happened in your past, or if you're very unaware of your needs, that may have happened. And there's no need to shame yourself for that. Sometimes we're actively shamed or belittled for our needs, so we may have needs for comfort. We may have been sent away when we were upset. We may have been uh, mocked for being upset. We may have been belittled, and that leaves us with a very um, confusing relationship with our needs because we then shame ourselves for those needs, and we may label ourselves as ridiculous or weak or pathetic for having any needs, um, needs for comfort and connection and soothing and other people are seen as weak because we wonder, why can't we do that by ourselves? How come I can't independently manage this? There are two things around that. So 
first of all, we're all human and we all need humans. We all need um, the warmth of social connection. And that may have been so shamed for us that it feels um, ridiculous to ask for that or it feels like we're not allowed. And I really want to say we are allowed, but it's a deep process and a, and a lot of unlearning that we have to do in our system to allow ourselves and to believe that we can get those needs met, to kind of give ourselves permission. If you grew up and you had to tend to your um, parents' emotional needs for love, for connection, for their own validation, then of course you would not have had an awareness of your own needs because no one was tending to them. So if you've learned early on, and this happens when we are babies, we instinctively know um, how we need to be to keep our caregiver on side then you would maybe expect um, your own children to meet your needs. You may perpetuate that pattern unwittingly because that was how it was in your family of origin. And so these are all patterns that we need to unwind in our adult life in order to come into relationship with ourselves because we want to have a close and loving, self-supportive relationship with ourselves. And the very core of this is knowing how to meet our needs, knowing what they even are. Let me give you a quick example. So I was someone who really had no idea about her own needs. And I spent a lot of my twenties, um, very invested in looking good, being very polished and um, projecting a very put together image out into the world that felt really, really important. I needed to control that to control what people thought of me. And it was really important to keep my shame at bay. So often when we have, um, a core belief that we're not good enough, we do many, many things to layer up over that so that we don't have to kind of touch that core of I'm not good enough because it's so painful on a visceral level. And um, so I used to shop. I had a massive shopping addiction. It was initially really self subconscious. It meant practically that I spent most weekends shopping. Rarely I needed connection. I needed time in nature. I needed to come into communication with that part of me who I didn't feel good enough. I needed to address the shame. I needed to learn what actually nourished and regulated me so I could go about meeting those needs. But instead, I was disconnected, seeking always to be polished, have the latest clothes, the latest shoes, the best shoes, the best handbags. And it was uh, I had a huge debt, which was ultimately a vehicle that pushed me into getting more in touch with my needs. So often we need to go through a lot of pain um, or kind of a crisis in our life to capitulate us or kind of catapult us more likely probably into um, our own healing journey. So if that's where you are now, I'm sending you a lot of love and know that you can survive that. And um, that on the other side of these type of sort of rebirths. There is great beauty. Okay. So I want to just give you some suggestions around um, starting to ponder what your needs might be. Notice what you complain about. So often our complaints are the birthplace of our needs, or they can be the birthplace of our needs. Because when you're disconnected from yourself, you might be very aware of what others are doing and how, how come they can do that? How come they get to do that? Because we often don't let ourselves do the things that we really need to do and we feel therefore jealous or cross with other people who do that. So notice what you complain about. Are you complaining about um, your friend who has a nap during the day? Are you complaining about your friend who has childcare? Are you complaining about your friend who goes to an art class once a week or 
who goes to a yoga class or who outsources some parts of the household? Are you complaining about your partner? Notice what you're complaining about and see what that might, what that might indicate for you. I think it's also really um, insightful or useful to look at who are you jealous of? What are you jealous of? Where are you envious in your life? Because those emotions often call, um, often we try and uh, disconnect from those because we're told they're not good. And actually, I think they're really helpful to indicate to us where we may need what we are jealous or envious of. So often when we are really envious of something, it's because we need that too. And so you don't need to shame yourself for those emotions. It's about noticing them, taking action around it, and um, forgiving yourself for that. Okay, so I suggest that you go and sign up at Psychotherapy Mum for the journal questions so we can deepen into this journey together. I know that I've thrown a lot of um, theory into this. It might feel a bit, um, you know, you might feel a bit raw listening to some of the stuff around your um, your parenting or your parents. Please go gently, go gently. None of this is um, sort of an absolute, none of it we can get perfect, especially parenting. I really want any people who are also um, working to break cycles of dysfunction and pain in their family to be really gentle with yourselves as you listen to this. Thanks for being here and excited to share more. You've been listening to Grow Yourself Up hosted by Kath Cunahan. We'll be back next week with a new episode supporting you to better understand and tend to yourself for more heart-centered, connected, authentic, and resilient living. Music